you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 118 of By the Book. We have been spending time these last few episodes talking about what I would call enduring principles, principles to guide our life as Christians. God doesn't give us uh, direct instruction about every single circumstance in life. Sometimes we wish he would. There are times when we say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I do not know what I should do. And when we don't have a particular verse we can go to, uh, we fall back on some of the principles that he has given us. And they are extremely important. Uh, They take, I believe, a great deal of thought, a great deal of contemplation. What does it mean if I'm going to follow this principle and apply this principle to my life. Now, some of the principles are more promises than anything else, and that's wonderful because often we simply fall back on the promises of God. We don't have any answers uh, when God tells us, and we haven't talked about it in an episode yet, but when God tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you, uh, sometimes we fall back on that. Many times people say, I don't feel like I'm close to God or God is close to me. Well, you fall back on an enduring principle, a promise from God. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And one of our episodes will give more attention to that. But some of the principles are challenges that are are telling us how to live, how we should uh, apply a principle to the various circumstances that we face in life. Well, we've talked about a few of them so far, and today I want to focus on the concept of glorifying God. And that's a basic for you and for me. Uh, That's something that, again, is worthy of our contemplation. What does that mean for me to glorify God? And then when I get into certain situations and I'm not sure what to do, I can fall back and say, well, Will I glorify God if I say certain things, if I do certain things, if I go certain places? Will I glorify God? Uh, What does it mean to glorify? Well, it means to extol. It means to praise. It means to magnify. It means to lift up. And so here you and I are as Christians. I trust today you are a born-again Christian. If you're not, you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But as Christians, we have to weigh those kinds of things out. Will this really magnify God? And if it won't magnify God, then I have to go a different direction. Now, let me invite you, if you have your Bible nearby, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is in a discussion here about purity and the way we ought to, to live. And I'm going to look beginning in verse 13. Here's what he says. He says, meats 
for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, listen to this. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. Paul's going to go on here and talk about the need for purity in our lives, but he's doing that by getting us to focus on our body. I have a body. You have a body. What am I doing with this body? How do I treat it? How do I conduct it? How do I run my life through this body? And of course, all that I do is expressed through the body. Well, here's what he says. Number one, the body is not for fornication. That's a good statement, especially today. There are people who care little about purity. It's all about meeting their physical or their bodily needs. Paul says the body is not for fornication. And then he says, but for the Lord. Now, separate that out a moment, and I want you to think about it with me. The body is for the Lord. Your body is for the Lord. My body for the Lord. What we do with this body is critical. How we treat it, how we dress it, everything about it. This body is not for me. This body is for the Lord. And then Paul goes on and says, and the Lord for the body. Uh, God has purpose for our body. God has plans for our body. Someday our body will be raised from the dead. The body is very important. The body is, is very, very sacred. And sometimes people don't think about the body as sacred. They think about their their inner being as being sacred, but their body, they don't seem to care much about it. Well, the body is not for us. It's for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Verse 14 goes on. And God hath both raised up the Lord, he's raised up the Lord Jesus, and will also raise up us by his own power. And again, God's concern for the body uh, is shown by the fact, not only that he cares about it now, but again, he's going to raise the body from death. And I had somebody say to me long ago, well, how will he raise the body if it was, you know, burned and there was nothing but ashes? And I would simply say, that is not my problem. God will take care of it. Whatever needs to happen, God will do that. But the body is going to be raised from the dead. And when it is raised, it will be transformed and we will live forever in a new body where, hallelujah, there will be no more sickness or pain or dying. Hallelujah for that. Well, but God then says to me, well, I want you to think about your body now, the body that you're living in right now. That's the body that will be raised from the dead, and that body is for the Lord 
It is not for you. Verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Now, again, that's interesting because we think of our relationship to the Lord as spiritual, and it is, to be sure. But God tells us that our bodies are members of Christ. What a a union we have with the Lord Jesus, something that we don't fully grasp, I am sure. But then Paul's going to ask a question. Shall I then take the members of Christ, that is, my physical body, and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. This body is sacred. Shall I use it for immorality? And of course, that's as common today as you can imagine. And Paul says to us as believers, is that what I'm supposed to do? Verse 16, what? Know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? Don't you understand the compromise, the the adultery, if you will, that takes place when you are involved in immorality? For two saith he shall be one flesh. In other words, this immorality is a mockery of God and God's plan for us. Verse 17, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. What a union we have with him. So verse 18, flee fornication. Flee fornication. Don't in, get involved. If you're, if you're single, don't in, get involved with impurity and immorality. And certainly if you're married, don't in, get involved in adulterous relationships. Flee it. Run from it. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now, all of that leading up to the great principle that comes out of verses 19 and 20. And I want you to think about it. I want you to ponder it. Verse 19 says, What? Know you not? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You know, when I got saved, I didn't have the slightest idea what was happening. And you probably didn't either when you got saved. The night I got saved, I came under conviction that I was lost. I was on my way to hell, and I needed a Savior, and uh, the church wasn't going to do it. I've told you before, I was a Roman Catholic older boy, and, and I realized that night that that was not it. I needed Christ to save me, to forgive me, to change me. And so I trusted Christ as my Savior that night, and my life changed. But I'm not sure how long. It was before I came to understand some of the the fullness of this salvation that we have, 
And I don't know how long it was before somebody taught me that the night I got saved, the Holy Spirit of God entered into me. And the night you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God entered into you. Now, as you know, in Old Testament times, God took up residence and manifested his presence first in the tabernacle and then in the temple. But God doesn't dwell in buildings anymore. Now God takes up personal residence in people. That's incredible. And what Paul is getting at is that that truth should affect the way we view ourselves, the the way we view our life, the way we view our purpose as a Christian. He said, don't you understand that the Holy Spirit of God indwells you? He lives in you. He's not taking up residence in buildings. He's taking up residence in people. Now, personally, I believe when we go into the church building, there should be a certain consideration for the fact that we have come together to worship the Lord. But, and I want to be careful, but sometimes we refer to the church building as the house of God. It is not. You are the house of God. I am the house of God. And so Paul asks the question, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? That's the work of God for the Spirit of God to enter into us and indwell us when we get saved. But then Paul puts this exclamation point when he says, And ye are not your own. Think about that. You are not your own. Now, when you get saved, salvation is the gift of God. Eternal life is the gift of God. But as we're going to see in the next verse, in verse 20, when we get saved, we now belong to God. You don't belong to yourself anymore. I don't belong to myself anymore. Well, what does that imply? Well, it implies that God has the right to do with you whatever he might want to do with you. And he has the right to do with me whatever he might want to do with me. Now, that includes the fact that God has a will and a plan and a purpose for our life. You and I need to care about that. You and I need to seek to understand that. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How am I supposed to serve you? Because I am not my own. 
It also means that our very life <clears throat> is in his hands. And God has the right, if I may put it that way, to allow things to go wrong. Sometimes people get sick. We don't understand why. But that person, if they're saved, they don't belong to themselves and they don't belong to us. They belong to God. And God's purposes are eternal. And there's a lot of things we're not going to understand until we finally get to be with him. And sometimes people, I've heard them say, when we get there, we won't care. Well, I think God is going to open up and, and show us what this earthly experience was all about. I think he's going to help us understand what his plan was for us and what he was seeking to do in us and through us. And, and all of those things will fit into his, his judgment of us at the judgment seat of Christ. But God has the right. God has the right to, to take you home whenever he wants to. And the Bible says that in his hands, is the, the life, the soul of every living creature. And uh, you and I uh, live every day because God allows us to live. And if he decides that we should be taken, we can pass away in a moment. We might get sick. We might get into an accident. And, and we see those things happen all around us. And we don't understand why, but we have to face this. I don't belong to me. You don't belong to you. And our family, if they are saved, they don't belong to themselves and they don't belong to, to us. They belong to God. God says to me, you are not your own. And sometimes we need to take a hard look and say, you know, I need to start living as if I truly understand <clears throat> that I belong to God, I don't belong to me. When it comes to the the will of God, uh, many, many times we just make our plan of what we're going to do and where we're going to work and whatever it might be, we give little consideration to the fact that we don't belong to ourselves. James talks about the man who, who makes his plan. Oh, for a year, I'm going to go here and buy and sell. And James says, you ought to say, if the Lord will, I'll do that. If that's what the Lord wants, I'll do that. Why? Because I'm not my own. You don't have any right to run your own life. It needs to be surrendered to the Lord. And we'll get to Romans 12 at some point and talk about that whole idea. So here's what verse 20 goes on to say here in 1 Corinthians 6, for ye are bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. When God saved you, he gave you the gift of eternal life, but he paid a price to purchase you. And the purchase price was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, when we get saved, it's like, Lord, I know I'm lost and I'm on my way to hell and I need a savior. And God says, I will save you. But understand this, I have bought you with the blood of Christ. And when you get saved, you now 
belong to me. Well, you know, that's going to impact our life. That's going to impact everything that we do. Paul goes on and says here in verse 20, you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God, magnify, extol, lift up, praise God, glorify God, number one, in your body, and number two, in your spirit, which are God's. You ever think about that? You and I are to glorify God in everything we do. We need to glorify God on the inside. People can't see our spirit. People can't see our inner workings. They don't know what we're thinking or contemplating or dwelling on. They don't know. God says, I want you to glorify me on the inside. And then he says, I want you to glorify me on the outside. Think of some of the challenges. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, of course, in verse 31, makes it as clear as any place in Scripture. Here in in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, Paul's talking about, uh, you know, what, what can be eaten and not eaten and, you know, the debates there were over all of that. Uh, back in New Testament times, because many times food on the market had been offered to an idol, and and all of that came into discussion. <clears throat> so Paul gives kind of a, a closing challenge to that discussion when he says in verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do we think about that? Do we think about that? Now, I don't want to raise the issue of uh, alcohol too too broadly here, but not too long ago, I wrote in Facebook articles on alcohol and got into discussions with people. And Excuse me, I was about to say, I've had people try to tell me that they can drink alcohol uh, to the glory of God. Well, I just don't think you can do it. And I think somebody who believes that is just uh, fooling themselves, hurting their testimony, and really bringing reproach on the name of the Lord. And you may have your view, and whatever it is, that's that's up to you, but um uh, We need to weigh these things out. We need to weigh life out carefully. Am I really magnifying God? And when I say magnifying God, I mean magnifying the God of the Bible by what I do, where I go, what I say, etc. Peter made it very clear in 1 Peter 4.16. You can turn to it that uh, if we suffer and struggle, we need to make sure that in the midst of it, we are glorifying God. In John 15, the Lord Jesus talked about the fruit that we bear in our life and the life we live, and that much fruit glorifies God. Matthew 5 and verse 16, the Lord Jesus said that we are the the light of the world. 
and that by our good works we glorify God. And then Paul gave exhortation to the church at Rome and told those folks that with one mind and with one mouth, they needed to glorify God. So I challenge you to think about that in this way. You are not your own. I am not my own. I don't have the right to do my own thing. I need to be in harmony with God and his word so that I can lift him up and that hopefully people will see the true and living God and his standards and his values and his message through the life that we live. So when we deal with people and they look at us, do we draw them closer to God? Or do we push them away from God? Now, in saying that, I realize, and you realize too, I'm sure, that truth can push some people away. There are some folks who are going to uh, reject the truth. And therefore, when you and I stand for the truth, we might seemingly be pushing them away from God. So uh, we have to kind of put that into the picture. I'm going to stand for what's right, uh, and that may push some people away. They may reject God's word and God's message, but when it comes to my personal life, do they see reality in me? Do they see a, a testimony in me? Is God, the God I profess to serve, being magnified in the way we live? Now, I want to suggest to you, you cannot glorify God if you violate Scripture. And so we have other things that play into guiding us in making our decisions and establishing our values, but the bottom line that I I want you to think about and meditate on, and I have done it in my own life many times because sometimes who can figure out what's going on in life? But this truth, you are not your own. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You are God's possession. And he can do with you whatever he wants to do. Now, my question is, have you surrendered to that truth. Have you said, I I agree. (laughs) I see it. I face it. I'm going to take my hands off of my life, as it were, and I just want to surrender to him. I simply want to yield to him. Now, with that in mind, I want to introduce where we're going to go in our next episode, and that is to the very familiar Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And you might know that passage and you might know those verses, but because uh, there's a challenge there, and the challenge is based on understanding what did happen when we got saved, and then on the basis of what happened when we got saved, what are we going to do with our life? And as you may know, Paul makes very clear reference again to the the body. 
and our surrender of the body as representing our uh, full surrender to him. So I want you to think about it. Uh, A great principle, you and I are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit because we have been bought with a price. We now belong to God. We don't belong to ourselves. We are not our own, and we are to glorify and magnify God in every part of our life. What is going on in the inside, hidden from the world, but God knows. What is going on the outside, where everybody can see and uh, be either drawn to the Lord or pushed away from him. So, Lord bless you. Till next time, remember, you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. Lord bless you.